your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 639 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That seems like the philosophy for DJ Smith as he puts together his two power play units heading into the season. And Ross, we have a special guest in the YouTube era. Finally, we get Sportsnet's Kyle Bukoskis back on the show. So this episode gets a whole lot more handsome. Oh, best hair in the biz. We'll get into all that. Plus, we've got a pretty good idea of who Ottawa will bring to Belleville for tomorrow night's game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast. It's your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen on this Thursday, September 29th. We are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube, where the best way you can help the show grow is to subscribe to the channel. We're so close to 4,000 subscribers, and please make sure you're hitting the thumbs up to like every video. It takes half a second and goes a long way for us with the algorithm. Pilsy, this discussion is going to go a long way because the Ottawa Senators have elected to start their two-time 40-goal score on the second power play unit yeah it's definitely interesting because when he was acquired I think everyone's first indicator well obviously playing him with Tim Stutzler so I'll say second uh thought that came to mind is oh my god having a power play unit with Norris on one side to on the other side teams aren't going to know who's one timer they need to need to stop here so I think everyone's mind immediately went to that but I actually think this is a bold and smart move by DJ Smith saying, hey, look, our top power play unit last season was very good. They clicked together. These guys have a great chemistry. Why would I break that up? Now, I know when you bring in a 40-plus goal scorer and a guy with a shot like Brinkett, your first thought is let's get him as much uh, time on the man advantage as possible. But I think people need to kind of change the mindset of how the power play is going to run in Ottawa this year. Good problems to have when you have a guy like Dabrinkit being bounced to the second unit. I don't think it's similar to the goalie tandem, Ross. I don't think people need to look at the goalie tandem as here's the starter, here's the backup. These are their roles. It's a tandem. It's a 1A, 1B. I mean, you could even have two 1As in uh, Forsberg and Talbot. So I think a similar mindset needs to be kind of uh, given to the power play units where it's like you have two 1 power play units like I think there's no reason why they can't split time as evenly as kind of face-offs and changes allow like no longer are we going to see the days where it's that top power play unit up there for a minute and a half and then the other unit just kind of dances around with the puck for 15 seconds or so and hopes to get one shot on net kind of thing I think really we're going to see much more spread out time on the power play and you don't need to worry about either unit. Like, that's the thing. Like, we can have these discussions and be like, how is Debrinkit not on the top line? But he's going to get his power play time, and either unit is going to be effective in my eyes. Since Alex Debrinkit's rookie season, the start of 2017-18, he has 52 power play goals. Good for a tie <laughs> with Patrick Laine for ninth, three goals behind Austin Matthews wow. for eighth. And although those guys did play, I think, about 30 less games, it still speaks to how potent that shot is on the power play. However, if you go with power play goals per 60 minutes of ice time, Pilsy, he's 22nd, still very good. Tied with Philip Forsberg, Jason Robertson, and Braden Point, just a smidge behind Alex Ovechkin. But you got to go all the way to the top of the list for Josh Norris. Yep. Second, only behind David Pasternak for most power play goals per 60 minutes, 3.63. Just a shade under David Pasternak, who's led the entire national hockey league okay we kind of got into it before setting the stage so let's do that now if you're watching on youtube we'll pull it up but dj smith is keeping together the first power play unit from last season 
That sees Brady Kachuk net front, Drake Batherson in the bumper position, Tim Stutzla and Josh Norris on either flank, and Thomas Shabbat controlling play from the top of the umbrella. We saw yesterday at practice, Angus Crookshank filling in net front. Pilsy, you love to see that. We've got yep. Shane Pinto in the bumper position. Alex Debrinkit on the left side as a right shot, good for the one-timer. And Claude Giroux, the right shot working his strong side on the other wing, Jake Sanderson up front. So what I'm noticing here, Pilsy, is they're also going to be able to rotate the puck to the shooter on opposite sides. Timmy on the strong side on his left wing on the yep. top. Giroux on his strong side on the right. And then you set up the one-timer the other way. So there's going to be a mirrored effect from these two units. And I think that can only cause more confusion for the penalty killers. They got to know who's on the ice at what time, because that's the direction that the puck's going to likely end up going. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's just another thing to note about how much more effective both of these power play units are going to be. Last year, it was so obvious. Like literally their whole plan was how can we get it to Norris to tee up that one timer? Everything else is just setting up to that moment. That's all All it was. Maybe maybe Shabbat tries to get a th- shot through uh, from the point if Norris is covered. But other than that, they didn't have anything. Now, I think we're going to see a lot more creativity and a lot more plan B options try to sneak their way through rather than just have the big Norris shot. And like you mentioned, let's say the top PK unit is on uh, for the opposing team and they're going up against Norris uh, Norris's line. Okay, Let's watch that right side. We really got to be careful here. But let's say they get hemmed in there and uh, the Sens are able to kind of switch power play units uh, on the fly. Now the PK unit's going, oh, crap. Debrinket's now on the left side. We got to shift our focus over to the left side, like you're saying. So if you can hem them in the offensive zone and have one PK unit out there, I think you're going to have them scrambling just to try to figure out what the best way to, to try to shut down both these units is going to be. So are you giving this a pillsy seal of approval or would you have liked to see to bring it up there because there's a very healthy debate going on online when it comes to how these units should be constructed i think well i think the proper way to address this argument ross is how would you change this then so if you do want to bring it on there with norris which <laughs> hey i have no problem having uh, two bona fide snipers on your top unit so that's fine but then who do, you, who do you move and how do you, how do you make that change? What, what's your first suggestion? I would probably say that my number one suggestion is to to move up Alex Dabrinka. But I, I'm of the mind, and, and you say that assuming that I want to change it, Pilsy. I actually love keeping it the way it is because so yeah. much of that first unit ran through Timmy. Being able to make that quick delay play or whatever it is on the half wall and, and open up space for Shabbat up top. So I think when I'm looking at it from that perspective, I, I love keeping it the same. Like who, who are you going to flip in those same spots right now? If it's not Timmy off, like Giroux, you'd put him, I mean, like that would might be my one qualm. Like if Giroux would be in the bumper on the top unit, move Batherson down to the second unit, add a little extra playmaking down there. Not that Giroux can't, but I think Giroux's probably a little bit better. Definitely more experienced right around the net front. And he can pop out and shoot from anywhere. We've seen that on his highlight reel. So I think, and maybe it's a hot take, like Giroud to me on the bumper position on the top unit would be chef's kiss as well. But I, I love the way that they've done it. And I'm assuming Crookshank is probably a placeholder for Alex Formanton, or more likely even DJ Smith said yesterday that he's not going to be shy to keep Brady Kachuk out for the full two minutes. Now we know that penalty killers are, not immune to cross-checking in front of the net on the power play. So that's a lot of abuse to take if you're Brady, full two minutes of it each and every power play. But I think it's especially late in the game when you're down a goal or whatever, like Brady's going to be out there for the whole two minutes. Yeah, and and that's the thing. That's a kind of discussion I was trying to start, Ross, is I I think both of us are on the mind that you keep it like this. But the issue is when you try to get to break it in there, then you're moving someone else out of there. And I think... It's better to have it set up to have one elite sniper on each unit. That way, like like I mentioned, you can try to force other creative plays to happen rather than just trying to tee up one of those guys and that being very obvious. And I think the thing, too, is you want to keep Batherson on that top unit. I like the idea of moving through. And that's like these are good problems to have, right? Like you, you can make these switches and I, I can see them being effective both ways. But I think 
you keep Batherson on that top unit because he already has that chemistry with the even strength line of uh, Norris and Brady. Obviously, that's good. Keep it rolling. But then we saw Timmy and Batherson have incredible chemistry as a pair together later on in the season when the lines kind of got shuffled around. So I want to keep that pair together as well. So I really think the way they have it set up is the way they should start. And if issues start to come or maybe that top power play unit just doesn't have the magic like they did last year, then you can look at making some changes. Well, let's get your opinion. Hit us up in the comments on our YouTube page. We'd love to have a discussion. Let us know why and who you'd want to move on the first unit, the second, or is there even a guy who's not getting an opportunity who you think he just needs a chance and he'd be able to light it up on the man advantage. Uh, DJ Smith has made it clear that over the next two games, Friday in Belleville against Montreal, and then Saturday on home ice, the only, out of eight games, the only preseason game in Ottawa at the Canadian Tire Center, they're splitting up those two power play units. Therefore, the whole line's, are jumbled. After our chat with Kyle Bukoskis, we'll touch on those lines and specifically one defenseman who seems to be pushing his way in to the top six. But first, Pilsy, we were talking about Claude Giroux. Did you see the clips that Ian Mendez and Claire Hanna put out of him in the faceoff dot teaching Josh Norris yesterday? He snapped him back three out of five going lefty over Josh Norris. Yeah, and uh, he was doing a similar kind of lesson with Tim Stutzla in in today's practice, and uh, he was just showing him how to better kind of angle yourself. And I, and I think what Claude was was talking to Timmy about from that little video we saw, I think Ian posted it, Ian Mendes, yep. uh, is try to get like up and get leverage and then tie the puck up. And then once the puck is up, you have that leverage and just snap it back. I think yep. that's what he's been working on there. And that's the thing. We talked about it so many times, and that's where I can really see the argument to get Claude Giroux on the top unit uh, switch with Batherson because winning the faceoff in the power play for that first faceoff that you get automatically in the Ozone is so important. And now I know you can have Brady take those draws, Whoa, and that's no, fine. No, but also Norris. Norris is above 50%. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, no one's better on this team than Claude Giroux. I right, and he's a writer. And, and that's something else. Like, Batherson's the only righty on the top unit. The way it is right now. Yeah, that's a lot of left uh, left shots there. So so that's the reason I think maybe you could see Giroux start doing that. Because, yeah, I, I am confident in Norris's ability. But you need, 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 need to win that first face-off. So if you have a chance to get your best face-off guy there, that's ideal for me. But who's to say it's a one? It's not a one A one B. So I think that it, obviously, if if the team if the team draws the penalty when Timmy's line, or sorry, no, I shouldn't say Timmy's the one guy from that second, but when the Norris line's out there, they probably start the power play with the Giroux line. I don't think it's going to be Fair. as yep. set that the first unit has to come out over the Definitely. boards to start every power play. But that's going to be so much fun to watch going forward this whole team's going to be fun to watch and we get into those storylines that Kyle Bukoskis is following I will say and everyone should get a laugh at my expense for this um dash one on the intro for me here um early no excuse but early morning right after the six dollar beers at the at the Jets game but we battled back in a hurry Kyle is officially friend of the show territory and uh and we're gonna we're gonna make sure to get him on more often for what was 8 15 in the morning his hair was 10 out of 10. So if you're listening to this, you, you got to either take our word or go check it out on YouTube. Pilsy, why don't you say a quick word from one of our favorite sponsors and we'll get over to our chat with Sportsnet's Finest. Yeah, Ross, don't get too hard on yourself on the Dash 1 there. It's not like people don't know how to find Kyle Bukoskis or, <laughs> or where where he works or anything like that. So yeah, that's yeah. one we'll, we'll let slide. If it was a right. Central Citizen and we're trying to get them Pump some followers... Tires. You, you got to hit that one right, but uh, okay. I'll give you a pass on this. It's Thank preseason. You. It's preseason for all. Pre- preseason for us, buddy. Absolutely. However, it should not be preseason for you and your sports gambling habits because it is always the on season with betonline.net because it's not just hockey, Ross. They've got football. They've got but, baseball. But we want you to go check out the player props because yeah. there's some juicy ones for the Ottawa Senators. Why don't you tell these good people what you're going? Are you going over or under? Josh Norris, 32 and a half goals. Over. Claude Giroux, 54 and a half points. Well, Ross, you guaranteed he was going to hit 1,000 this season. So that's 77 points. That's going to happen. So over. <laughs> I guaranteed it, eh? 
Jesus. <laughs> and then they got. Oh, I remember it. They got to brink it at 36 and a half goals. Easy over. So those are the overs that uh, you could definitely hit. And yeah, like I mentioned, sure, it's preseason, but you need to be in midseason form if you want to hit because. Once the season starts, I don't think you can you can make those bets. Like it's nope. it's locked. So get your midseason form betting and get it for the for the regular season. Get it all set and get your futures locked in now at betonline.net. And like I was mentioning, it's not just hockey. They got football, Thursday night football, my Bengals up against the Miami Dolphins. It's gonna be a big one. They're wearing white the all whites, all whites, the Ooh. Siberian Bengals. You gotta bet on Jersey <laughs> games like that. Look good, play good. We, you know, we love that here. And you gotta check it out at BetOnline.net because they got all the latest odds, totals, player performance, props, and overs and unders, and lots of fun future bets to make. So check it out today, guys. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. It's BetOnline.net where the game starts. All right, let's get to our conversation with Sportsnet reporter and Hockey Night in Canada host, it's Kyle Bukoskis. All right, we're very pleased to welcome a friend of the show back. It's been way too long. You already follow him on Twitter. It's at Sportsnet Kyle, I believe. Yeah, SN Kyle Bukoskis. And he has been told he's the Tom Brady of Canada. The flow's looking great. Charles Barkley, stamp of approval. Kyle, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? It's been too long, boys. Great to be on with you. Ross, congratulations on the engagement. I just hope she knows what she's doing. She doesn't. That's why I put a <laughs> ring on it. Make sure you <laughs> yes, get it in there before right. she realizes. Exactly. No, Good for you. That's awesome. I, I appreciate that as well. It's a great time of year with that. Get it uh, not out of the way, but get the ring on her finger and then we can lock in to a season of hockey and, and doing some quick math on how long it takes to plan a wedding. Seems like we'll be right in the middle of the off season for that. So the yeah. timing worked out great selfishly. Yeah, Ross is one of those guys where he, he wants the contract done before the season starts. Once season <laughs> right. starts, he doesn't yeah. want to have to do contract. <laughs> he just wants to focus on podcasting. So we got the long-term extension uh, done and uh, wrapped up there. Are you calling me Tim Stutzla of podcasting? <laughs> I'd say that's quite the compliment if he is. I was yeah. going to say. It, it's no yeah. Tom Brady of Canada, but it, it's a good compliment <laughs> for sure. No, that's awesome. So, Kyle, what uh, what gets you out of bed in the morning for this job and, and going to training camp this year? What are you fired up about going to the season? I think just the the blank slate that comes with with any team and and in Ottawa here in particular like you know in years past you were kind of once you got through maybe the one or two big stories you were really grasping at straws a little bit simply because this team you know wasn't deep enough to really be in a situation where okay are they ready to contend and I know last year Pierre Dorian came out saying the rebuild is over Um, we all know how well that went uh, so I think, you know, with the summer that it's it's been here, um, the additions that have been made, the players that have been locked up long term, uh, I just think there's there's a way different feel around here. And I was saying this before, I was at uh, the Canadian Women's Open here in August last month, and uh, the amount of people that, that I had conversations with saying, you know, hey, I... Uh, I'm getting season tickets this year, or I've, you know, I've got half seasons or I plan on attending way more games than I have in the past, like conversations that I just haven't, you know, experienced in any of the previous four years leading up to to this one. It just, it's a, it's a way different feel around uh, the city and, and the team right now. So, so that's, that's the exciting part. Will it translate into a, a playoff team by the time the spring rolls around? Uh, I'm, I'm not convinced of that yet, but um, no question. This is going to be an entertaining team to, to watch this year. So um, it's, it's, it's good to see things kind of get rolling uh, finally here with camp underway. Now the centers have had slow starts the last couple of seasons here, and we're hoping with the new additions in the off season, some addition by subtraction, also uh, with some bad contracts getting moved out of the way here. How confident are you that the senders can kind of flip the script on what's happened the last couple of years? And hey, they don't have to get off to an uh, amazing start; they just have to get off to not a bad start. Are you confident that sure. they can come out of the gates running here? I am. And, and here's why. Like you go back to the shortened season and, you know, there's not no secret, like their goaltending was a real issue. Um, and they were just a team that was still figuring it out in front of them. So it was a perfect storm in that sense. Um, last season, again, there were some goaltending 
issues early on and that month of November guys, like I'm sure you remember, like that was, that was utter hell, I think for, for the team, like the, the COVID situation, like they were one of the first teams for, for the virus to really run through the, the roster and how many call-ups they had. Um, and, you know, just the, the, how few regulars were in the lineup for, um, you know, games at a time. And that was also a month where I think they played like 16 games that month too. Like it was almost more than every second night. And so all those factors considered, um, you know, they just, they got absolutely crushed. And by the time December 1st hit, like their season was basically wrapped up and, and they were, they were too far out of the mix already. Um, so, you know, knock on wood that, that, that doesn't happen again uh, to them here this time around. Um, I feel good about the Anton Forsberg, Cam Talbot uh, duo here, at least to, to start. I think they'll, or at least in a position where, you know, goaltending will give them a chance and they're just a, a better team, um, on paper and you know we'll we'll see if it translates to the ice i can't stop smiling whenever someone brings up november we decide on december 1st that we we're gonna do a post-game show after every single one after watching what we saw last uh november now you mentioned that the roster's more or less set this year how much more challenging if at all does that make your job covering a two-week-long training camp? Because <laughs> I remember the days of, is it Abramov or Schlappick coming into the top <laughs> nine, right? Like, we've come a long way since then. So what does it change for you on a day-to-day when it's not who's going to take the job each and every day? Right. I, I think what's nice about, you know, this year is, is things are kind of getting, you know, back to normal again. And, and we've got a little more access around the arena than, than we've had in the last couple of years. I mean, there's an opportunity to, to talk with with more people away from the cameras um, and to get an idea of, of what's what's going on and just get to know some new faces or, or guys you haven't really spoke to in in that in that sense, in that forum for, you know, since 2019 in a lot of cases. So that's that's a good thing. And, and I do think, you know, there's still there's still just some some question marks. You know, you're right. There's not a ton of jobs up for grabs, but, um, you know, that fourth line is. Uh, it seems like every Canadian market, who's going to play on the fourth line? It's always a big story. Um, but but here I like there's some legitimate options, right? Like between uh, Parker Kelly and, you know, Mark Kastelik. And does Derek Broussard do enough to, to to earn a contract here? And what does that mean for Dylan Gambrell and Austin Watson? Um, you know, there's uh, even a guy like like Angus Crookshank, I think, could be, you know, the Mark Kastelik of, of a couple years ago that's just going to eventually knock the door down and, and earn a call up just with how he plays. Um, and then on, on the blue line, you know, I think there's, there's still, you know, one, one spot I think has yet to be, you know, really solidified. Um, so there's, there's a number of, of players kind of in the mix for, for that as well. So that's going to create some um, conversation as, as we unfold here. But uh, yeah, I think any year by the time, you know, the last few days of camp come, or at least in the middle, there's that kind of wall in the middle where you're like, you're, you're beyond, like everyone's excited to be back and everyone's in the greatest shape of their life. And like the last couple of days of, okay, who's making the final cuts um, where, you know, it does get a little long and you're having to really stretch um, what could be a a compelling story. But I I do love the fact that they're going out to to Gander and and Munkin for the final two preseason games Um, should be some, some great, great atmospheres between those two places um, and just a neat way to, to wrap up the preseason. Yeah, we've got a bunch of fans out east that are very excited that uh, the Sens are going to be playing closer to home as usually they have to go to to Montreal, Toronto, or Boston or something like that. So mm-hmm. it'll be great. Even though it's preseason, it's still Sens hockey at home. Ross, well, you got something? No, I was going to say, Kyle, that's about as far as home from as possible from you. Gander, Newfoundland, 7,000 <laughs> kilometers from Campbell River, B.C. <laughs> Dave, you did the math, eh? Yeah, well, good for you. Th- Thanks to my friend Google, quick, quick yes. Apple yeah. for Google. <laughs> you didn't. Good job doing that before yeah. uh, we guesstimated how many kilometers. We've had oh, some yeah. uh, geography misses on this show for that sure. That was with so Alan, right? Yeah, so so Alan we're getting Texas. better here. That's for sure. Uh, Kyle, so a lot of fresh faces being brought into the Senators team. So I'll say, uh, well, four players. I'll, I'll throw Jake Sanderson in, in there as well. Of the four new players, uh, most impact coming to Ottawa. Who do you think? is going to have the biggest kind of uh, push that helps this team get from where they've been the last couple of years to where they are now between Jake Sanderson, Claude Giroux, Alex Dabrinkat, and Cam Talbot. Which one of those do you think will have the biggest impact? I, I want to say Alex Dabrinkat just because okay. of his ability to, to score goals and to score a lot of them, right? Um, you know, Ross, we talked about this on the radio the other day, the fact that they were you know minus 39 goal differential last year. Uh, I think this is a team that, that shouldn't have – 
a lot of issues scoring this season. And, you know, the real questions is, can they keep it out of their own net uh, enough? But I think that's where we can, can see the impact, you know, to have, you know, two weapons, depending on how DJ wants to do his, his power play units, but in theory where you could have, you know, Debrinket on one flank and, and Josh Norris on the other, um, two one-time threats on, on either side. You've got, you know, a puck mover and Tim Stutzel there, Kachuk in front and Thomas Shabbat in all likelihood quarterbacking the thing. Like there's, there's, there's potential for a lot of damage to be done with, with that group if he decides to, to load it up. And, um, you know, if, if the chemistry can be found there between, you know, Tim Stutzla and, and Claude Giroux, or if he ends up deciding to, to, to mix things up and, and it's a different look, um, I think, you know, Debrinkat's in, in a spot where he's, uh, you know, he benefited certainly from playing with Patrick Kane for a number of years in Chicago, but, um, like, you still got to be able to shoot it, right? And, and, and that guy can do it as, as well as, um, you know, almost everyone in, in the entire National Hockey League. So I think that's where maybe we could see the, the actual visual um, of, of maybe the biggest impact and just, uh, you know, the ability to, to score goals out of nowhere when, you know, offense at times with this team has been really difficult to come by the last few years. So we know that uh, all three of those players haven't played together in Dabrinkit, Giroux, and Stutzla. How long into the season, if things aren't clicking, are we going to see the lead story on sportsnet.ca? Kyle Bukowskis wonders, should DJ Smith <laughs> break up the st- Timmy line? Like, realistically, how long do you give them to allow that chemistry to grow? Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's a good question. Like, you know, are they, are they getting chances? Are they looking anywhere close to a line that's going to break out? Or are they just not clicking and i think obviously that would that would accelerate the the timeline but um you know we'll see as preseason progresses here i i am uh pleased to see that at least dj appears to be going like these are kind of the lines throughout training camp and let's see them try to figure it out because i feel like i grew up you know growing up in bc there was like the west coast express line right like more yes. uh, morrison naslin bertuzzi like it just that was the line for like what felt like a number of years that was not touched um, you know, barring maybe the occasional uh, tweak here and there. Um, but you just don't see that that often anymore. It seems like there's always such anytime there's a little bit of a setback. It's like, well, we've got to throw the lines into the blender. And I can understand that as well. But uh, I just hope they at least get, you know, uh, as you mentioned, the fact that they haven't all played together before at, at any time. They get enough runway, at least for the preseason to start the regular season to try to find it um, before they finally decide if they have to make the decision to, to put someone else in there. And I feel like up front, it's for once, DJ has a roster where it's like good problems. Like if the right. chemistry between that line isn't working, there are lots of other options, ways you can mix and match the lines to try to get something clicking. Whereas in years past, that wasn't really the case. Now, switching to the back end, though, they don't have that luxury. There's not as many good options to mix and match. Kyle, how important or kind of what's the pressure on uh, Pierre Dorian to go out and acquire another top four defenseman? Do you think that's something that needs to get done ASAP or do you think he can kind of wait till the deadline and see where things are at then? Yeah, I think, you know, when when the opportunity is there, that makes sense. I, I believe he's someone, I mean, as we've seen throughout the summer, who will, will strike a deal when when the right one finds itself. Like, I mean, I think it just speaks to how difficult of a, of a move that is to, to pull off these days where he hasn't hit really for the last two years, the fact that um, they need another top four in the mix. Um, and he was able to do a lot of other really good things over the off season, but bringing a top four defenseman just wasn't in the the cards. I know like Jacob Chickren's the, the big name there. Um, I'm not convinced with the, you know, the price tag that, that seems to be attached to, you know, what the return will have to be in order to acquire the player. Um, I, I'm not convinced that's, that's the right fit uh, here in, in Ottawa. Um, just knowing what potentially they would have to have to give up to, to make that move happen. But I think in terms of who's here, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of pressure because you look at somebody like Thomas Shabbat, um, who has played minimum 26 minutes on average a night under DJ Smith, you know, those numbers got to come down a little bit. I think like he's, he's got to be able to, to be a little bit more effective under less minutes and, and less hard minutes than he has been playing, um, over the last three seasons. So where can you find somebody to relieve, uh, some of that pressure, um, you know, does Travis Hamannick fit in better than maybe uh, we thought when they initially traded for him? We'll see. You know, what kind of role will Artem Zub play? How many minutes can a Nick Holden play? Um, how ready is Jake Sanderson once things really get rolling? But I don't want to put him into a position that could potentially uh, hinder his development given he's only 20 years old. Um, that's, as they say, the, the, the one real 
pressure point that I think we've all talked about here as we've we've gone through. You know, they are in great shape forward-wise. They seem to have a good tandem in goal. The blue line is where the question mark is is at. You know, is Nikita Zaitsev in the the opening lineup when the season gets rolling in in Buffalo? Um, you know that, that unfortunately that's those are the questions that come with you know as you set out to try to add somebody to that top four and and you don't find that that player. Um, you know, looking at at what what they have left, um, there's there seems to be a lot more questions than answers still right now. Well, one of the answers that Jacob Bernard Docker had uh, in, the other day is like, yeah, there's definitely a spot open on the back end. I'm doing some quick <laughs> math with the contracts. So I was yeah. like, okay, well, they must have been told this then, even though I think so. Uh, there's six, seven if you count Eric Branstrom with guys on uh, on one way deals going forward. Now uh, we're two weeks away from your first broadcast. It's going to be a battle of Ontario Hockey Night in Canada, the first Saturday of the season. You got any insider info of what we can expect, uh, whether it's a story from you or I know Elliot Friedman and uh, Jeff Merrick were in uh, Paris for, for some uh, mm-hmm. some content with Timmy. I don't know if that's coming out soon or, or what, but what's the plan for coverage this year uh, when it comes to the Sens? Oh, man. I Well, you know, I, I, I try like hell whenever I get the chance to, to work a, a Sens game to, to get his as many, as much good content in as, as possible here. So we're, you know, we still got some irons in the fire. We got a little ways out here yet before I, you know, really start to, to formulate what, uh, what I'd like to come to the table with uh, and us as a group for that, that first Saturday night. But um, it's a, it's a great way to kick it off. I know it was the same deal last year, that first Saturday, Ottawa in, in Toronto, but um, you know, this is a different look Ottawa team, I think coming into Scotiabank arena on the first hockey night in Canada of the, of the season. And, um, I just think that that could be potentially a, a really good matchup here to kick things off and potential for, for Ottawa to, to get some traction starting on the road. Um, and you know all the pressure that, that's already on, on Toronto to, to be great. I just hope Matt Murray gets the start that night. I know that'll be Toronto's third game of the year already at that point. They play wow. Wednesday, Thursday to start. Um, I, I, I hope Matt Murray gets the, gets the nod uh, for that one. That would be, that would be great drama. Yeah, that would be a pretty easy storyline to follow. Free idea too, just like a thirty-second interview with Zub. Uh, I just, <laughs> the 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 nation needs to see it. We, yes. in the regional sense, understand how hilarious and, and you know um, and solid defensively. Not not to say, but uh, yeah, you need to get that out to all Canadians, coast to coast. All right, I appreciate that. That's a very good. Uh, Do you want to write it idea. down? <laughs> yeah, 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 I will. As soon as we're done here, I'm uh, I'm putting it on my uh, on my dream board. Kyle, we appreciate you joining us. SN Kyle Bukaskas. Final question from me: The Senators were 27 points out of a playoff spot. I think it was Washington that uh, was the eighth seed last year. If they're going to make up some sort of gap like that, who's the the one team that made the playoffs last year that you'd circle and be like, "This is the team we're attacking"? Who? Um... I think Washington could be one. I mean, the fact that they got in with 100 points, they were eighth uh, in the East. It's like, oh, my God. I was reminding myself of that the other day, uh, just how crazy that was. Um, I think that's, that that could be one. I like, I don't know. And I wonder about the Bruins. Like, early on in the offseason, I thought they could be pretty vulnerable. But, um, man, like, with, with Bergeron back, bringing Krejci back, like, I just uh, – being around that team a little while over a few playoff runs over the last few years, like you got a lot of respect for, for how that room operates and just the yep. standard that they set for whoever comes in there to, to put that Jersey on. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're, they're going to let their, their level drop too, too much. Um, so we'll see if we could, they can, you know, withstand some, some injuries to start the year. And, you know, when McAvoy gets back in the fold, um, I, I wonder just how, how, uh, how Washington's going to come out, just giving it's, it's an aging group. Um, you know, what kind of a year Darcy Kemper is going to have there um, playing, you know, behind that team as opposed to Colorado last season. Um, I think, you know, I, I know they were the, the eighth seed, so it's an easy one to, to pick them. But, um, you know, I, I don't see, you know, the likes of Tampa, Florida or Toronto falling off so much that all of a sudden they're within Ottawa's grasp. Maybe a team like Washington in that wild card mix uh, could be one to, to potentially go at. Yeah, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how things shift here with uh, some of the rebuilding teams in the Atlantic coming up and out of that rebuild, the Ottawa Center mm-hmm. being one of them. Now, of uh, those players that have been involved in the rebuild or, or new guys, who is a breakout candidate for you uh, with the Ottawa Centers this season? I'm putting I'm putting it down on Shane Pinto. Nice. Um, yep. I thought, like, even to start last year before the shoulder injury, 
like whatever that was, the three, four games he played yeah. before he got hurt the first time. I'm like, he could have had like four goals in that span. He had so many good looks. He was all around it. The puck didn't just, just didn't go in. And, and then he gets hurt and, and his whole year was shot from there. Um, I mean, you watched him up close and, and in person last night there, Ross. Like, I thought he looked looked very good. Uh, I think he could be he could be someone that could uh, emerge and and you know start to to show the the rest of the hockey world this is a you know legitimate NHL center that that's got some some scoring touch and um, just a good all around hockey player that's got some personality and and I think he'll be he'll quickly become more of a fan favorite I believe as as this season goes on. Yeah, and you mentioned that uh, small sample size at the start of last season. He was averaging like 21, 22 minutes a game. Like yeah. It was like Connor Brown that were leading the team in ice time among forwards. So I don't think it's going to take long before DJ starts rolling him out there 19, 20 minutes. It's just how, with Timmy now at center, how are they going to kind of give everybody their cookies at the same time? So sure. no, that, that's great. And this has been great too, Kyle. We appreciate you joining us. And we got to make this a more regular thing. We, we really do appreciate you and we love watching you on on Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. So hopefully we'll get to do this again soon. No, it was my pleasure, boys, and it's been great to see, you know, since I was on the first time, the way you guys have continued to grow, your reach, your audience has continued to grow, and you guys have, have stayed true to, to kind of your your identities as people and, and your your values as, as how you like to entertain, you know, the Sens community. It's been awesome to watch, boys. So congrats on all the success so far, and keep it going. to Kyle for joining us fantastic conversation with him always a good time getting him back on locked on senators all right Pilsy we're going to get to the lines in just a moment but you had guessed that elite prospects was going to have the Sens ranked 11th in their organizational countdown you were closer than me I said 13th they are officially listed at number 10 okay on their list now do you want to quickly run through and see how much you agree or disagree with their order no spoilers okay there are great write-ups and we do want everyone to go get the premium elite prospects rinkside account there is i gotta say this is probably five thousand words total um but we'll just run through the players because that's what we do here and we get mad at list all right you tell me right or wrong number one jake sanderson yes (laughs) I'll, i'll agree with that Number two, Shane Pinto. Yep. Number three, Ridley Gregg. Yep. Here's where it gets a little interesting. Number four, Lassie Thompson. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to I start disagreeing around here too, but that's okay. That's what it's for. I'll I'll sign on to that. Yep. I'm not mad. Roby Jarventi at five. Ooh. I know. For for me, in my mind, Lassie and JBD are handcuffed together. And whatever way you want to flip it is fine, but they they're right together. So I'm not mad, but I, I don't necessarily agree with that one. There's another defenseman between Lassie and JBD. But before we get to that, number five, they've got Igor at number six. Yeah, and I feel like Igor and Roby are kind of handcuffed. So yep. so that's fine. I would say Igor is ahead of Roby right now, but it Roby is still very young and it remains to be seen how much potential he can eventually have. So that's all right. At number seven, Tyler Boucher. Okay. So that's actually higher than I thought they would have him. It, it seems like a lot of kind of the analytical approach uh, online scouts really are kind of down on Boucher. So it's good to see him getting some, some better respect around the online community here. So I like that. Number eight, Thomas Hamara. Oh, wow. That's a little high. Even I'm a, you know, I'm a Hamara guy, but Hamara over JBD. Nah, I'm officially mad. Actually, I'm mad now. You got me mad. Number nine, JBD. So they even have him right there. And it's just like, no, come on. Especially we're going to touch on JBD a little bit later on, but nine for JBD is, is criminal. Yeah, that's a little, yeah, definitely criminal. And I also, I'm officially mad at this list because they have the Senators' top goalie prospect as Levy Marilinen at 10. Ah. Like, come on. We, hey, we love Levy, but it's Mads. It's Mads. It, Mads isn't even close yet. Number 11, Jorian Donovan. Huh. Number 12, Zach Ostapchuk. Number 12. Yeah, Ostapchuk's got to be ahead of Hamara and Donovan for me. Yeah. 
Number 13, Angus Crookshank. He's going to make a lot of people respect the name a little bit more, but I understand why That's he is where, where he is. That's kind of where he's at right now, yeah. He hasn't exactly. played in a year. So, Pilsy. Number 14, Mad Sogard. The disrespect. The disrespect. And I'm actually shocked they even included him because J.D. Burke wrote this. That's an awful pick. Um, number 15, Tyler Clevin. 15. No, what, it was it was uh, Ridley. He had he had the big qualms with. Yeah, no, was it, it he, Gre- he, Well, too. they had Clevin as a do not draft. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and he went forty fourth overall. So, and they traded up to get him. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and remember, it was Russ Cohen who also does elite prospect work. Who said JD absolutely hates Tyler Clevin. It's his least favorite player. So. Anyways, there's your top 15 cents prospects. But uh, for write-ups of it, you can go check them out, eliteprospects.com. Okay, that's uh, a little – we had to add that in. We had to when, when we had the discussion about yeah. it the other day. So 10th, though, with all the guys who they've graduated, 10th is pretty solid, I would say, especially for elite prospects who gives them a yep. C every year after the draft. Yeah, definitely. And this just goes to show you, like, right now the NHL roster is poised to push for playoffs. So – you've got a cupboard full of future assets that you can use to bolster this lineup even further. And they didn't even have Philip Nordberg or Oscar Pedersen in the mix. They're disrespectful indeed when they have the fifth rounder in Jory and Donovan. So I don't know. I think, uh, I Maybe think Petters- just, it seems like they're looking into the signings heavy here, right? With yeah. Hamar and Donovan. Interesting. That seems to be the outlier. Yeah. What? Which one was the furthest off base for you? Probably, probably Hamara, honestly, and I'm a Hamara guy, but Donovan really shouldn't be on this list. No, I would I say completely agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Like wait, we got high hopes for him, and that was a great draft pick, and obviously Sean Donovan being a part of the organization. Yeah, for, like for 136 overall, great pick, but solid, the 11th yeah. best prospect in the organization right now. He's not ahead of Tyler Clevin. He's just not. No, no, no. There's zero percent. I'm most mad though, like. A stab chuck at 12? Like, I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> Way she that goes. That's getting mad at lists. That was getting mad at lists. Um, <laughs> all right. So tonight we will get the roster. You can follow us on Twitter at Send Central. The show is on Instagram as well, locked on dot senators. We would appreciate if you took two minutes to go to your Apple podcast and just write down a quick review as well that would be a huge help five star reviews go a long way with helping us with the algorithm we want to be your home for ottawa senators content five days a week and we've also got bonus content coming this weekend but this time pilsy and the reason i'm bringing it up again is we want to let everyone know the audio versions will be posted we've got locked on crossovers every saturday and sunday for the next three weekends we're going to hear from locked on Bruins, sabers red wings Habs, Leafs, Lightning, Lightning, Panthers, and the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast. They'll help you out when it comes time for your fantasy hockey draft. So all that will be available. Please subscribe. It goes a long way to help the show. All right. These players, it can go a long way to help them make the team. Tomorrow night in Belleville, the friendly city, Pilsy. It will always hold a sacred spot in our hearts and this show. Remember our 401 West segment that we did once? Yeah, we did We did once where when we were driving home from Belleville. So for those of you that don't know, Ross and I, we worked for the Belleville Centers for two seasons. We dr- made the drive from Toronto to Belleville uh, many, many times. And we were like, man, we're in the car for so long. We just watched the game. Let's just put the, the mic in the center console and we'll just record while we're driving. Yeah, we did that once or twice, and it it was fun, but not exactly prime podcasting studio uh, acoustics and uh, setup there. As as Ross is trying to like get around transport trucks uh, while doing the intro in the middle of did, January. Yeah, we decided to switch things up uh, for for safety reasons. <laughs> for safety reasons, yeah, and I mean that point we'd already driven two hours and worked four, and then we we're driving back. We needed our Wendy's number. Yeah, I was I was gonna say you're trying to get the frosty in you while uh, while talking about prospects. Not ideal. Well, let's talk about the lineup. We expect this to be the lineup. They were split into two groups today, so maybe I'm wrong. But one of these lineups will likely play tomorrow. The other one on Saturday. Let's go with Group One because they were on the ice first. Anyways, Norris, Kachuk, Batherson, Stutzla, Crookshank, and Boucher. 
is the second line. Ridley Gregg will likely make his preseason debut between Parker Kelly and Austin Watson. <laughs> and then the fourth line, Rourke Chartier between Jake Lucchini and Jace Howerluck. On defense, Shabbat Zub, Holden, Jacob Bernard-Docker, Rubens and Gannett, and then Xavier Bernard with Ben Roger. Pilsy, we talked about how they were splitting up the two power play units. Do you like putting Stutzla with the two youngsters? I mean, I... I <laughs> Crookshank's older than him, but yeah, you know I was, what I mean? I was going to say... <laughs> um, I definitely like that as opposed to the other two possible lines he could be flanking, right? It, it seems to make the most sense. I think these three guys all been on Locked On Center's podcast. Check out their interviews. Uh, Kirkshank and Boucher multiple times. Um, I think they could click together really well chemistry-wise. Uh, I think people don't quite fully appreciate the offensive abilities Tyler Boucher has. So I think Stutzler can set him up here. And... Yeah, I, I think then the rest of your lines all kind of make sense. I, I like Ridley Gregg in between Kelly and Watson because that would be where he would start if he got called up to the NHL, right? Like he, that's his most likely spot. So get a little familiarity there, see how things go. And that's going to be a tough line to play against. Yeah, it certainly will. The one other note we want to touch on for this is Jacob Bernard Docker playing with Nick Holden on the second pair. Does that to you symbolize that he's got the inside track now over Zaitsev, over Brandstrom, and over Lassie Thompson? Yeah, I don't get into detective mode too hard here, but it's all preseason stuff. Still September. Next week, though, we can. Yeah, sure. October is is when I put my Sherlock Holmes hat on and really get serious here. Um, but for now, the, all we can really say is this this is an indicator. Like, it can't be a coincidence that DJ Smith mentioned five of the defensemen are lock, locked in. That's Shabbat, Zub, Sanderson, Holden, Hamannick. and Hamannick. So those, those guys are locked in. So that leaves basic, and we know the top four are locked. So Holden is the fifth defenseman on that bottom pair. And DJ said he's playing. Yeah, exactly. Whoever is playing with Holden seemingly has the inside track here. And for now, that's Jacob Bernard Docker. And uh, we talked about it. He seems to be the, of the three, Brandstrom, Lassie, and JBD. JBD has had the best showing so far. And we talked about it with Kyle, right? Like JVD in an interview recently was like, yeah, we know there's an open spot. And it's like, you know, you got the second highest paid defenseman is is not accounted for. But uh, by all accounts, there is that open spot. The other group that practiced today. So Brassard, talk about getting a look. And I should say, Ridley Gregg has entered the chat for the fourth line center position where he's set to play on, on that line with Parker Kelly and Austin Watson. So we know that Kastelik, Gambrell, Broussard, they're all battling. And now Ridley Gregg's in the mix there too. But now Broussard's going to get a look at an offensive situation. He's practicing between Debrinket and Giroux. Pinto, Mott, Joseph, that line just trying to build chemistry, keep them together. Kastelik, yep. Reinhardt, and Sokolov, that's a heavy line. Good luck playing against them on, on the four check. And then Gambrell gets the very lucky spot of playing between Jarventi and Scott Sabrin, Dows, Dow Cole, and Kyle McDonald. We'll we'll see if he gets into a game, but at least he's healthy now. He was hurt in the rookie tournament, so he's practicing. On defense, the second group, Sanderson, Hamannick, Branstrom, Zaitsev, Hetherington, and Thompson. We've also got Jacob Larson in the mix there as well. Any final thoughts here on this group? I guess what would come out to me, Ross, is like you mentioned, Derek Broussard getting a big opportunity here playing in between Debrinka and Giroux. Roby Arventi playing with Gambrell and Scott Sabrin, that's a line that doesn't make sense to me. So I, I'm very intrigued uh, by the fact that Dal Cole wasn't given that option, right? Because mm-hmm. that's kind of a fourth line style thing. You would think Dal Cole, Gambrell, and right. Sabrin would be the right mix there. So what this tells me and where I'm kind of putting my signals up is that Dal Cole is out of favor here. Otherwise they would have him playing on that line. So that's, that's an interesting note for me there. All right. Well, we'll find out. The only thing for me there, it's like Broussard's never going to play in a top two role in this thing. So wouldn't it make sense to move Pinto up and like try one of those fourth line guys in a more checking role? Yeah, maybe. But I, I think really the, the idea here is we know the third line is going to be Ma Pinto, Joseph. Use every second possible to get these guys chemistry. Cause but then I, wouldn't you say the same about Timmy with the, his line mates? 
Yeah, but they're, they're focusing on the power play units there, which is hilarious, Ross. Before uh, the pod started, we were chatting, and I was like, imagine they set these lines up for the power play. No penalties uh, drawn in either game, and you're just like, oh, man, now we now we don't get to see how this works. But I'm sure that won't happen. Uh, Tim Stutzla often is getting penalties called against him because teams... Drawing penalties. Drawing yes. Yeah. yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um but uh, yeah, it, it is interesting. I, I, and I think the Tyler Maud and Shane Pinto connection, they've been clicking. But Joseph didn't really seem to be in the right spots. And him and Pinto kind of bumped into each other a couple times. So it seems like there's a little, a couple kinks for them to work out. So maybe now you're just trying to make Shane Pinto and Matthew Joseph uh, mesh a little bit better. I think that's the idea there. I think in conclusion to the power play discussion, we should say that things can change in an instant. I don't think it's worth yeah. getting super mad either way, but we do want your input. So let us know how you get would a little mad. Not as mad as you can get at those elite prospects list. Though, <laughs> no. that, those are built to get mad at uh, any final thoughts on this one. I I'm excited to hear what people have to say in the comments about this one. And reminder, Tell your friends, subscribe to Locked On Senders. When we hit 4,000, we will be announcing a giveaway to 100-level seats to the Ooh. Ottawa Senators' first Saturday home game against the Arizona Coyotes. Oh, oh, good The Josh Brown win. revenge game. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Look out. Which team uh, will Jacob Chikrin be playing on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe a hallway trade. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah, final note for me, for me, Ross, is... I got, oh, damn, I was going to practice this. I got new design up in the podcast oh, studio. Oh, sick. I bought the poster from uh, Doodling Daryl. Go grab it. it. Can you pull it up or is it tied? No, I, I didn't put too much work into putting it up there. Okay, go, go grab it. Go grab it. That's for everyone watching on YouTube. And if you're listening to the show, what we did is uh, Daryl's art, where it was the boots on the ground. The poster is here. It looks unreal. That's awesome. I was just uh, describing it for the audio listeners. Got Marsh in there with the streets. That's amazing. Boots on the ground, October 18th, coming soon to a Canadian tire center near you. All right, that's it for today. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. A special thank you to Kyle Bukoskis for joining us. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast. It's your team every day. <laughs>